podcast where we interview individuals just like you, dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and the tragedy that you have unfortunately experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm your host. I'm a growth evangelist, as well as a fellow widower losing my beautiful bride, Judy. Uh, she was my bride for 19 years, and I lost her about now almost about five years ago. Today, we have a special guest. His name is Chris Bentley. Chris is the founder and now CEO of an organization called Wings for Widows, and they provide one-on-one -on -one personalized financial coaching to the newly widowed, widowers and widows, since 2018. After nearly 15 years as a financial advisor with an advisory and a wealth management practice in the Twin Cities, he retired to support this new mission of helping widows and widowers handle and plan their finances post their loss. This is a hot topic. Welcome, Chris Bentley. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Looking forward to our time together. Awesome. Um, when a widower first loses their wife, what are some of the first challenges that you've heard about that they experience and they run into with regard to their financials and financial planning? The, the first thing I would say, Tom, is that it's not that different between widows and widowers, unless they've been through it before, right? Mm -hmm. Unless they've experienced this before, it is all new uncharted water. And so that makes it challenging for both. Um, it, there, there are probably some areas we'll get to today that, that uh, affect uh, widowers more than widows and, and vice versa uh, from, from our experience. But I think in the case of the widowers, I mean, the first thing is, right, just the loss of a wingman, right? I mean, you've lost your confidant. You've lost your your business decision, co-decision maker. You've lost certainly your lover and your friend. And just you've lost your wingman. And and I, I use that term because I'm a Navy guy who, who used to fly. And that's that's like that's like not a good thing, right? When you lose your wingman flying and it's now different losing your beloved spouse. So um, you, know, you have to give yourself permission, right? To surround yourself with people that you trust, that you, um, that, that, that know you. Um, you know, what, what tends to happen, the first thing, right, is that you isolate. Um, we're not good, right? Guys aren't good about asking for directions, right? We jump in a car, we get lost. We have GPS today, but we're not good about asking for directions or asking for help. I'll figure it out. I'll do this myself. And I'll tell you what, that's not the right attitude as a brand new widower or widow. Um, you've got to surround yourself with people you trust. Um, ask for help. If there was ever a time in your life you needed help, uh, it, it would be now. And um, it, it just, this, this journey's not made to go alone. So, so that's the first thing to realize is like, I'm in a new place and I need help. Yeah. That will open doors to people who really do have the information you need and can help you and save you from making a lot of costly mistakes because we've seen them all. Yeah, um, Chris, I totally agree with that in that when you're married for as long as many of us have been married before we lose our spouse, there's a decision-making dynamic between husband and wife that goes on. And 
Sometimes the wife is the catalyst for the decisions, and then you were the governor on those, or vice versa, which is the way it was for me. I, a lot of times, was the the inspirational catalyst behind a lot of decisions. And Judy, my wife, was the one that said, hold, hold, hold on, is this maybe the best decision for us? You know, I'm, I'm go, go, go. And she was my governor. And all of a sudden, that's not there. And if you don't replace that with maybe a couple of close friends, one of uh, the folks I interviewed basically set up a board, almost like a board of directors, where it was like, look, I'm not making any decisions. They realized this was one of the big issues first and foremost. And they said, look, I've got two confidants, three confidants. Whenever there's something big in front of me, I'm gonna get them on the phone. We're gonna do a Zoom call, we're gonna do a con call, and they are gonna take the place of that key decision-making element that you wound up losing with their spouse. It's such a great idea and such a great solution. Uh, to, to do it that way, you know, your own advisory board, uh, just to bring reality to your situation, which has obviously been turned on its head. Yeah. And what seems like good ideas often, you know, when we're, when we're just chugging along through life um, without any drama, uh, you know, end up being bad decisions because we didn't give it enough thought. And particularly in an emotional mm -hmm. state as a new widower, you, you don't, you you really don't know upside from uh, upside down from right side up, and so it's so important to surround yourself with with folks like that. It's a great yeah. idea. And Chris, the, the, oh, go ahead. in the emotions that we're faced with, there are some big decisions that get made. I know many several widowers who made big career decisions. You know, sometimes they had to because they were forced to maybe stay home with the kids a little bit more and reprioritize but they wound up quitting jobs or selling companies or quitting careers. Some couldn't stand being in the house right away. And they realized, hey, you know, I'm not happy here. I'm gonna sell the home. Um, talk about those big decisions and why it may not be a great idea to make those right away. Sure, and that is, the universal sort of gospel truth, right? Don't make any big decisions while under duress. And and it may be even more specific, big financial decisions mm -hmm. while under duress. And if you can get away with that, absolutely, 100%, try try to avoid those big financial decisions at all costs. Um, on, the, on the widow side, uh, if there's been a loss of income, which is one of those other big challenges, mm -hmm. if you were a stay-at-home dad, and your breadwinner uh, is no longer bringing in that income. Uh, now you've got to maybe you don't have the luxury, perhaps, of prolonging big important financial decisions. If you are the breadwinner uh, in a, a one-income earner family, then you probably have some time to think through these things. But not everyone is so fortunate, and sometimes big decisions need to be made. You mentioned the home. I mean, if there's a large home because you're a two-income family and you could afford a large home, and kids are all in private school, and uh, everything is humming along, and then it isn't, those decisions probably need to be made sooner than later. Um, if you can avoid them, I think it's wonderful, but not everyone can, and you've got to address them head on. Agree, completely agree. And that is something that is a big implication nowadays is many of us were in homes where it was double income. Um, 
And now that those earnings are no longer there, which has serious implications. The other implication that I see is daycare. Uh, if you weren't double income or maybe your wife was working, uh, which mine was as part of the business, but really was the main caretaker of the kids. Now, what do you do with regard to childcare? So talk about some of those implications. Childcare is probably the biggest one for, for widowers, right? Um, because they're generally, uh, don't want to pitch in a hole uh, anyone, but they're generally um, not the stay-at-home dad. Mm -hmm. It's typically not the situation. And, um, but that, that, that is their most immediate concern would be minor children at home where spouse was taking care of those children, running them to soccer and dance and hockey and every other possible uh, activity that we now involve our kids in. And suddenly, you know, 10 to 20% of your paycheck is going to uh, sitters and nannies and, and childcare centers so that you can continue your career. And then when you do, after you drop off, you're working, when you pick up, you're now the sole parent. And, uh, and so what starts to happen, what we see is that you're all consumed, right? All 24 hours are consumed by career and parenthood. And what starts to happen, right, is that there's no, no time for self yeah. and fitness and health and eating habits um, go out, the, right? All those things that, that we just took for granted are suddenly now real challenges to try to get those back in our lives. So for, for what we've seen, childcare is, um, is a big problem, particularly with low-income earners, uh, where there just isn't uh, available childcare. The quality has gone down since the pandemic. Pandemic, by the way, I, I read an article by uh, care.com. They, they uh, did a survey in 2022, and it's cost of care survey, and it was enlightening. And what folks are saying is that not only are, are the costs going up, but the quality is going down because you can't get anybody in there to, to take care of your children. Yeah. So that's all suspect now. And then uh, availability of nannies and sitters, uh, they've, all, they've all scattered. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and we can thank COVID for that. So it's, it's really challenging right now for single moms and dads trying to provide their children with the very best childcare when they can't be with them. And, yeah. um, and so, One of the things uh, I did, Chris, was I opened my home to a grad student friend, um, had her stay, take care of my daughter. I needed to travel for business. And we traded off room and board for that. So it was economical. I got a sitter. She got a great place to live and stay. And while I was gone in particular, my daughter didn't have to be alone. So sometimes you have to get creative with it. Um, you sure do. That's a great solution. Another one that I've heard are just the idea around carpooling. Mm -hmm. it's, it's dad's going beyond carpooling. Sure, I'll drive today. You drive tomorrow. But then the after well, I can take today off or I can work from home today. And so I'll go get the kids. They can stay here, have playtime together, um, and, and, and you come pick them up here. So I see a lot more of that happening today post-COVID as well. Yeah. As a new widower, what are some of the first things that we should be doing? We covered a couple, but what are some of the tips that you have right away of some of the things you need to look at with your financial planner hat on? Well, Great question, and we, we um, provide a class, a, a monthly class, and we walk through a list of 10 items. I won't go through all 10 items. Um, some of them just happen by way of, of um, happens, I mean, just uh, uh, 
after a funeral, the funeral director is going to make sure you get copies of the certificate, right? Death certificates. And there's things you need to do with those and visits to the Social Security office. Um, I think one of the one one of the things that the folks forget that they need to do um, is uh, and and there are many lists out there. By the way, you you probably have seen them too, Tom. Right? There are many lists of things you need to do. So I I may just be uh, not sharing any uh, new ideas here. Um, what's sometimes difficult is well, how do I do that? What is the right order to doing some of these things? One of them's around banking. Um, banking's a real now. Most banks have bereavement, deceased spouse teams, they're not terribly well-trained in bereavement, but they know what you need to do with your accounts. And, but there's a, there's sort of magic about that. And they don't even understand sort of the sequence of events. Um, most of us have an individual checking account, um, but we may not. And we have a joint, only a joint account. Well, you're eventually going to want to close that joint account. But, yeah. So open up a checking account in your name. Mm -hmm. Um, get that going. Uh, most all of us have debit cards and, and bank cards in our name, but if you don't only have joint check, checking a, a credit card, well, again, also apply for one in your own name. Don't shut down the account with the joint account. You can legally continue to use those accounts, but get yours going before you shut down the other ones. So just simple, simple things like that. Uh, another big area Go yeah, ahead, Tom. I remember was survivor um, information on things like 401ks. So if there were 401ks or retirement accounts in your spouse's name, those do need to be rolled over properly into your own accounts um, so that you've got stewardship of it. And then on all of your accounts, likely your spouse is the surviving member. Um, that needs to be changed as well. And a lot of people forget to do that. So that was the second point I was going to make. Exactly. Are the, the beneficiaries, right? Updating the beneficiaries. And if you have a financial advisor, they're, if they're doing their job, they're going to do some estate settlement with you and, and, and reach out to you about getting all those beneficiaries updated. But they're the beneficiaries we forget. We forget, right? Like, uh, and we don't ask this question. Well, if something happens to me now, I'm going back to my bank example. Something happens to me now. Okay. I've changed it over. I have a, account in my name and I have all my savings in my name and I have my brokerage account in my name, uh, brokerage meaning non-IRA, non-retirement uh, account, and something happens to me, I pass, what's going to happen to all of those assets? I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're all going to go into probate. They're all going to be frozen. Mm -hmm. So there are things you can do once you get these accounts activated by adding features to the accounts or signatories on the accounts or adding beneficiaries to the accounts so that uh, we bypass, right? You bypass probate. And that's a whole nother conversation maybe for another show. Um, but to your point, updating those beneficiaries quickly in the event anything should happen will certainly simplify any uh, uh, proceedings should anything happen to you, heaven forbid. Yeah. Uh, so those are just a couple, uh, couple of ideas. Um, I think getting a hold of one of the one of the areas that is overlooked are our spouses, the, our deceased spouses' assets. Mm -hmm. um, they they have to be accounted for. If they're truly her assets, her car, maybe the home is in her name. Um, any of those types of deeded assets, uh, uh, her IRA, her bank account, where 
it's a sole um, bank account. Those are her assets and become her estate assets. Mm -hmm. And you do not have the right, the legal right, to continue to write checks or use the credit card or use the debit card from those assets to cover joint bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of guys just, we all forget that, that, um, no, that's hands off. And the whole idea around probate is a mystery to most of us because we don't do this every day, but probate's very simple and it's, it all, it's, it's not very simple, but the concept is simple. It's simply that creditors need to be paid mm-hmm. before those assets are distributed. And so if you're distributing assets or selling her vehicle to pay for something, right? Well, it better be paying her creditor because um, they're all going to be standing in line waiting to, to be paid. And so that process often gets bypassed. And, and, and what happens is, is I got to get my life on track. I got things to do. I got things to do. I'm going to settle this. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to take care of this. And, and, and they end up getting into legal trouble because they sold assets and the creditor needs to be paid before those assets were actually sold. So some things to think about. Chris, talk about insurance if our spouse was insured and now the insurance settlement comes in on that. Any advice there? We were talking about not making hasty decisions or yeah. big decisions quickly. That would fall under. Well, I think that. A, a whole bunch of Bitcoin with it? Is that, is that? Well, I think it's that new car, right? Well, you know, she never would let me have that Corvette. You know, I guess I'm, I guess I can go get one now. And sure, you know, provide some some excitement i guess some fun maybe for a little while but probably not the best use of those funds mm-hmm. uh, not until one of those other important things to do which is assess your financial situation mm-hmm. what kind of a financial situation are you in um you know who who was the breadwinner where is that income coming from does that income still going to meet our bills what retire what do we have uh, if i'm of age over 59 and a half, are there retirement savings? Well, there's just so much to understand before you start spending insurance money uh, that that make sure you have a really solid handle on your finance before you start spending that money. Um, your financial advisor, and being one, I would advise you to do nothing with that money. Put it aside. Let's figure everything out and come back and talk about that later. Um, obviously, in situations where there are creditors or collection agencies knocking at the door, that could be... Uh, be very handy to put some of that uh, chaos to rest. You've got enough to deal with with everything else. Um, if it's in a situation, financial situation where we're dealing with that, that money can come in very handy for that. Yeah. But and there's can, some hidden well, things too, like tax implications of now being a widower. I know my tax liability went up because you're no longer considered married, right? Absolutely. And I'd like to come back to insurance because there's a couple of things there that I think are really critical that we overlook. Um, But taxes, that's you get one year. And if you're qualifying widow with with minor children, you get another couple of years. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah. So what happens is uh, they call it the, the I call it the widow crisis or the widow tax. Your tax because of your tax bracket, you go up. Uh, your taxes go up and your income comes down, particularly if you're if your social security uh, earning, you know, if those are your uh, those benefits are comprising part of your income. So you have that conundrum uh, going on. Uh, your Medicare costs go up. Uh, I, I read another interesting piece of research research uh, not too long ago that said that uh, quarterly 
uh, something like, like for, for more than 50% of the respondents, uh, $1,000 more a quarter. That's $4,000 more a year towards Medicare, simply due to stressors in healthcare and not taking care of ourselves, which we talked about earlier, um, uh, happens. And so we're seeing the healthcare costs rise. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, we, that's why we call it the widow crisis. It's not a fair deal out there. Absolutely. Um, and you wanted to mention something else about insurance, Chris? Yeah, because I think it's a good time um, uh, when, we, when, when, that, when that, that, that benefit comes in, and hopefully there is a benefit. Oftentimes there isn't a benefit. Mm -hmm. and, but if there is a benefit, that's terrific. But it's a great time to be looking at your own, your own coverages, particularly if you have children. Right. Uh, your spouse may have had coverage and that could help with child care and some other unexpected expenses. But was it enough? Was it a term insurance? 50,000 from work? Not going to go very far. Right. Not going to put the kids through college. So so really important to look at your own insurance at that time as well, your own life insurance and making sure that while you're still healthy, you have plenty. And even more important than your own life insurance, if you're working right, is do you have sufficient disability insurance? Because now, if anything happens to you and you can no longer work and you're a 45-year-old dad and you were planning to retire at 65, you've got 20 more years of raising children and getting them through college and you don't have disability insurance, particularly if you're working for yourself or you're highly commissioned because it's based on salary, you better really think about finding some additional either disability insurance through work, your workplace, which is pretty cheap, or yeah, finding it outside of the workplace, but doubling up, tripling up on that, because if anything should happen while you're working and you have a family to take care of, what are you gonna do if you don't have that? Yeah, insurance? I had a dear friend, Chris, who had a motorcycle accident and the CEO of that company did not have disability insurance. And um, he didn't, as an independent worker, he didn't have independent insurance and it really left that family in a bind. So after that, I made sure my employees, my team members, they all had disability insurance as individuals. I do think that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times, but yeah. um, especially if we're more on the younger side, you're more likely to become disabled or injured or have some medical long-term issue that's taking you out for six months, eight months, a year, or perhaps longer. And what are you going to do? to right. make ends meet during that time, um, you know, Critical. so that becomes an issue. So completely agree with that. For me, I actually felt like I was a little overinsured. My kids had already gone off to school. And right. so I actually lowered my insurance, didn't have my wife no longer to take care of at that time. So I actually lowered my insurance a little bit. So it's a good time to adjust to think of, okay, am I insured enough? And then perhaps am I insured too much? And is it, worth just maybe thinking about that because things do change in retirement planning as well. I think your whole risk profile can change a lot too. If your kids are already out of the nest, maybe they're in school, just finishing up school, which a lot of us in the group are. Um, what do you think about your risk profile, retirement plans, things like that? Now that you don't have a spouse necessarily to take care of, right? It's just you and your children. Uh, correct. And you, you sort of hit on something that's important to think about, right? It's sort of like, what season are you in? Where, mm -hmm. I mean, age has a lot to do with the actions you're going to take and yeah. assets, right? Your asset base. 
if you're if you're young, you don't have the asset base, but you've got a long horizon for making up the difference. If you're more senior and you've not done the saving, there isn't much you're going to do with your risk profile that's going to make a whole lot of difference, right? So, so, but if you have a nice nest egg, then why are you taking the risk if now it's just you and your 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 retirement expenses per se are going to go down? Although this question might lead us to the question about, is it just going to be you for the rest of your life? Yeah. I see that that is another topic but um, for discussion today. But uh, no, to your point, the way I think about, um, again, being a financial advisor in my previous life, uh, it, it's all about what are your goals? And yeah. Do you have to maybe take on a little bit more risk today, a little bit more than you're comfortable with because your goals have changed? Mm -hmm. You know, so have your goals changed? Um, certainly, if you're an income earner, you haven't retired yet, um, your expenses, you would think, would generally go down, particularly if the kids are out of the house or there are no children, um, with just supporting yourself. But in retirement, um, what is it that you want to do in retirement? I don't know that that, that expense in retirement would be all that much less, right? Mm -hmm. Depending now, if you've redefined goals and what retirement looks like for you. Um, and that would take some time to, to come to those types of conclusions. Um, you know, you may, you may just be, you may be just fine or because you have undersaved, you do readjust, you do adjust and say, you know, I just, that isn't that important. Now we were going to travel the world for 360. Now it's just not that important. Beth's not here. I'm going to do something else with my time. Uh, and so it really comes back to what are your goals? What do you want to achieve? And then, 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 you know, review your portfolio, the diversification, the mix, the allocations, right? And, 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 and adjust accordingly. Yeah. Chris, we mentioned a little bit, you know, your plans can change, right? Post the loss, likely you're alone for a little while, but many of us are not, we didn't choose to be alone on uh, so many widowers get involved in a relationship one year, two years in, the remarriage rates are very high at the one, two, kind of three year mark. Uh, when you compare that to widows, almost exactly the opposite. They are usually six, seven, eight years in. And again, these are averages. So sure. uh, I'm six years in, I'm not, or five years in, I'm not remarried. Um, so there's a lot of differences between us, but on average, men are going to usually remarry and usually that happens within a three-year period or less. That has some pretty serious implications now from a financial planning standpoint compared to when we maybe first got married in our 20s or in our 30s. Talk about that and some of the planning that has to go into remarriage and even the thought of that. Yeah, the thought of that um, is probably scary for some guys, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of put that off. I think of, you know, your question in two terms, maybe um, one is casual dating, maybe initially you get over the fear of dating, get over the fear of, of feeling guilty for get dating, all those sort of barriers to dating um, casually. But at some point for some um, having a more romantic and, and permanent mm -hmm. uh, relationship. Another one um, is the path they choose. And, and that just has to be done, I think, to your point, very carefully. Mm -hmm. And I'm probably not a very good expert on dating. I dated my my first wife for uh, five years, and it it ended in divorce. So obviously, I, I I I didn't date long enough. I I dated my second wife for eight years, and I can tell you that it's a very happy marriage. And 
and a very good one. So I do believe that time is on the side of the daters. Mm -hmm. uh, you, I don't think it's anything that should be rushed into. And, and if you do, there are possible consequences, mm -hmm. right? And one of those is not having a prenup. Mm -hmm. uh, anyone that jumps, uh, that has any sort of material worth and jumps into a second relationship um, uh, without fully vetting the situation, um, there are predators out there. There are those out there who would take advantage mm -hmm. of widowers with assets, um, um, unfortunately. That's the world we live in, so let's just address it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's really important knowing your partner, you know, if, if it took me eight years, you're, you're, you're five, six. I mean, this is nothing to rush into. Mm -hmm. Marriage is expensive, but a divorce can be even more expensive. <laughs> right. So again, you know, I mean, so, so um, I think it's really important uh, to, 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 uh, I guess my message is the advice is to give it time. Mm -hmm. And just like diversification works in a portfolio, I think date a lot. Make sure you know, uh, uh, just date a lot. Make sure you know uh, what you're looking for, who you're looking for. I know I had a friend who uh, kind of jumped into it very quickly, lost his wife. It's very a long period of uh, palliative care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he kind of lost her before mm -hmm. the, 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 the final, you know, uh, passing and funeral. It was more celebration. He was kind of ready to move on mentally well before, you know, we 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 had the funeral. And and so uh, I think for those folks tend to perhaps move into dating uh, because it's been such an emotional drain for so long. It's it's like happiness. It's just around the corner. I just need to date. And uh, and, and for those, I really get it. I really understand. But I do think it's important to, to go slow. And I, another case, I, I just wanted to share this before I forgot about it. Um, his his uh, person he was dating after about a year, it became very clear that that his new that this new person in his life really wanted his previous marriage and wife to just go away. Mm -hmm. It wasn't going to be talked about. It wasn't going to be. Um, part of the new life, of their new life. The new chapter together was going to have nothing of the past part of it. I think that's really, really a problem. It's a huge red flag. You are today who you spent a whole lot of time with, and that needs to be honored and respected. Mm -hmm. And sweeping a past relationship under the rug like it never occurred is like sweeping you under the rug. Mm -hmm. And it's, I just think that's just a really really big flag. And I told my, I told my friend, I said, you may want to keep looking, right? This may not be the one. Okay. Um, you need to be honored and respected and everything that's happened before her. Um, and so, so those are sort of my top of mind comments around dating and, and, and love. Yeah. In the new relationship, you are going to take on all of the financial burdens of that person. Um, there could be financial assets on both sides that really should be protected going into the relationship. And then I think that what you build together should be shared. But there's definitely ways to, as you said, prenuptial agreements and other things to make sure that you're protected. I think that understanding your new spouse's credit and what implications that might have. There are a lot of these things that, you know, like I said, at 20 and 30, maybe it was immaturity, maybe it was just, hey, you're building a life together and it really doesn't matter that much. 
that you glossed over, now those things are absolutely essential because they'll have an impact on you, but they'll also have an impact on your estate and your children and what ultimately you're going to wind up leaving them. Talk about that a little bit and some of the implications of remarriage and your your family. Yeah, that's that's all a great point. Um, there may be assets on both sides, but there may also be a whole lot of baggage. And so mm-hmm. uh, clean up your own baggage, right? I don't bring that into the relationship. Um, financial or otherwise. And then, yeah, I think you've got to have enough time with that person to understand what she is bringing uh, mm-hmm. to the relationship. And uh, and then it, you mentioned um, sort of the whole legal side of kind of what's going on here. I, we mentioned prenup. Uh, not everyone would be in favor of a prenup. You know, there are nine, I think there's nine, nine community property states, if I count them up, uh, nine or 11, I may have that wrong, but I think it's 11, actually, community property states where everything you bring to the marriage, we talked about a prenup, right? But there are nine, 11 states where everything you bring to the marriage is yours mm-hmm. and everything that's acquired during the marriage is shared. Mm-hmm. So if you live in a community property state, even a prenup may not be necessary, but it's still advisable. Yeah. Um, and then for the rest of the, the U.S., uh, having having that understood What's yours? What's mine? What what are we building together? And what should happen, right? Whether it's through death or or divorce, mm-hmm. with our children? Mm-hmm. How are our children going to be treated? And um, and that leads to a lot of conversation uh, around finances, right? In new relationships, is a whole other topic. I'm sure you've probably covered this in the past, but um, I don't think we have enough time today. But I would just say that um, we use separate accounts. Uh, I see a lot of separate accounts and separate um, while there are uh, sometimes communal wills, uh, well, there, there are individual wills, but they take each other, right? I, I'm going to leave certain assets to my my wife, but I'm going to leave certain assets to my children. And uh, and that can be done through a will. I, I, I do believe in uh, blended families or remarried families uh, where children, minor or adult, trust become really great vehicles mm-hmm. for uh, exacting what you want. And they, of course, can be updated any time that you'd like. But they're, they're just a great vehicle for your children, my children, our children, you, me, uh, other charities, other things that I, where I want my assets to go to. And so that's a lot of conversation with a, with a good estate planning attorney to work through those issues. And then I always advise, if you have adult children, make sure they're on the same page. Make sure that they know what's going on. They may not need to know dollar amounts, but let them know what you've set up, what you know legally, what they can expect. You know, it's just no fun to get those kinds of surprises uh, during a during a death or a crisis. Uh, I completely agree to over communicate there because they're already on edge with the loss still, even if it's years on, and some of the things that you're planning and you're doing, they might not know the implications of, and in that doubt can sow a lot of strife. Particularly with a will, uh, which can also then be contested. So you've got that strife, you've got somebody that feels left out. Somebody said, why are they doing that? I'm I'm not happy with that. Whereas in a trust, which is all private, that can be spelled out very carefully. And then those communications can happen as necessary. It's just a, just a great way to go. Yeah. And I know these are things you don't want to think about. You're in love, you're in this new relationship, right. but a little bit of prudence and a little bit of pumping the brakes there just to make sure everything is planned out. Like I said, we're not 20 years old anymore. We're now 
40, 50, 60, and there's definitely some more planning. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave with our widowers, our growth warriors with today, Chris? What I started with, you're not alone. And if you try to go this journey alone, you're going to make mistakes and you're going to wish, why didn't I, why didn't I ask? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, we've seen it. You probably have seen it too, right? Over and over where this happens. Somebody was, you know, embarrassed or just thought they could manage it on their own, right? We're, we're tough. We're going to just, mm-hmm. just going to work through this myself. And it doesn't work. It, it, it never has. It never will. And uh, the one piece of advice is to, as you, as we've said at the very top of the program, was to surround yourself with friends, people you trust, your confidants, people you can, shoulders you can cry on because you need to do that too you need to you need to let it go and uh anyone that wants to try uh, try to, to be john wayne through all of this uh just uh i don't know if i ever saw john wayne cry in a movie but uh as a widower um you're gonna shed some tears and it's great to be surrounded by people yeah, you, you do don't that. have to go through this alone absolutely it's something that we preach all the time here thank you chris thank you for some great financial advice and some guidance and tips and everyone, thank you for listening into our Growth Through Grief podcast. If you liked what you heard, hit the like button, leave a review. If you seem so inclined, it helps with our ratings and helps us improve our reach. And be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on the latest episodes. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing.